Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, what's going on, guys? Tom Davis here, host of the No Bad Dogs podcast. Today we have uh, another great podcast for you guys. Sorry I took last week off. I'm going through some training, some uh, recording equipment. Some of the stuff I got wasn't... uh, wasn't recording right, so got an awesome podcast that we did last week. Uh, anyway, with with a with a couple uh, dog owners who are really struggling. They've been through three dog trainers, a behavioralist, medicate the dog, don't medicate the dog, correct the dog, never correct the dog. Um, just bouncing these people around, and they're just struggling. They're just trying to figure, hey, what do I do? This is something that you guys will hear over and over and over and over again on this podcast and in my dog training videos where. People are just getting thrown around into training camps that really isn't fit for them. So we talk a little bit about how to pick the right dog trainer for you. And of course, I walk this couple through on how to handle the dog that they have in front of them. Um, And we kind of like go over some myth busting there too about dog behavior and how they learn um, in my experience and what these dog owners have experienced themselves. Uh, But before we get into that, I just wanted to say that I'm starting to do Q&As on the podcast as well. So all you guys have to do is go to my podcast, review it, and in the review, you just lay, you just write question, and then I'm going to be answering these questions at the end of this podcast. So if you ask questions, I'm going to pick three, and I'm going to answer each 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 podcast. I'm going to answer three questions that you guys leave in the podcast reviews. Uh, so yeah, let's get into the podcast. You, you've been dealing with reactivity. You went to a positive-only trainer, and you guys have been working on some redirection stuff at eight months and the positive only trainer had a behavioralist come in. The behavioralist took the dog to another facility. No, it didn't take that day in order to socialize. Maybe we could try to get him to go to another facility, like daycare, just to be around dogs and learn that. And then that facility was like, no, we don't take, we're not comfortable being around people. Okay. So they just, they, they said no. Yeah, they just said no. Yeah. yeah. So then we we went over to the trainer's house once um, and was able to interact with smaller. But he was very um, accommodating, too. Like, he wanted to play with her. He wants to play with our dogs. He's respective of our dogs, particularly the older one who tells him, like, I don't want to play. He's very respective. Um, he does try to mouth on our bigger dog, just like the normal shepherd mouth play. Yeah. Uh, and she'll correct him all much. Uh, so he's in that space. He's good with us. He's affectionate. He will listen for the most part, except when he gets in these really amped up situations and like literally a bomb could go off and he is just still fixated on whatever it is like locked in. Okay. So what was the... So you, so you went with the trainer and then, and this is all at like four months. This was, yeah, this was between yeah. like four and a half months to basically the last time we probably saw her was like six and a half months. Cause we've just been waiting on this. So, Cause there was such a backlog to go see this other doctor. 
Yeah. And between that time, she's like, okay, well, um, I'm not going to come over anymore. Just uh, keep working on some other things. And we're like, great. And then my parents came into town a couple weeks ago and new people. He tried to go after my dad, who he's never seen before. We didn't have him on his leash. That was our stupid fault. But that's when we started his medicine. That's when we started prong collar. Because <laughs> we're like, we have something. Right. What did the what did the doctor what is your behavioral what was like a behavioral doctor? Is that what they called her? It's some type of like vet that specializes in behavioral prescribing okay. meds, behavior modification. But when you look through the materials again, it's like all this positive stuff and respecting their boundaries and God forbid you use a prong collar or anything else. But then we talk to people that mm experience with German shepherds working police dogs and like, no, you got to use prong collar. You got to tell them like what's right, what's wrong and get their attention. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. To some degree, I, I, you know, I agree in all of that. I mean, there's, there's always like, I pl- try to play devil's advocate where there's always like a really, and, and of course it's frustrating for dog owners because they get in this dilemma where you guys have worked with a positive only trainer, the positive only trainer basically said, I can't deal with this. Yeah. Here, yeah. And then here's a behavioralist. The behavioralist is like, I can't deal with this. And now you're going to another behavioralist that's gonna that's started to prescribe you guys prescribe your dog medication, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, prior to that, what did what did I'm interested to know the th- the third trainer or the second behavioralist or whatever? What? <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. It's just it's yeah, no, no, it, it's, no, it, it, it's, it's frustrating. Like- frustrating to us because we know he can be such a good dog he's super smart we we notice these things around like four months and in in his puppy school to where something like freaked him out and so we're like was that it was it his genetics we have no idea and so we're just trying to throw stuff at the wall to see what sticks in the meantime he's getting older he's getting bigger he's getting more set in some of these habits that we want to break um but we know a super good dog it's his ability in certain situations so so like for for example like um when i take him for his walks and we have the the prong collar on him if we if i see somebody and if i start to see him start to see that person and get fixated on that person from watching your videos and stuff like that you know of the you know i try and get him to sit and turn away and then like walk back and forth real quickly to where he's healed next to me and like turning around and you know so he's not fixated on that person right away mm-hmm. and then like when it comes to sometimes when it comes to when we're across in parallel um that's when he'll start to lunge towards those people and then you know i'll pop him with the prong collar and then you know every, sometimes he does get reactive to where he'll he'll jump up and like you know what my wife was saying is just immediate like turn and you know, kind of try and snap at me or whoever has him at the time. So, right. Yeah. That's common redirection. So, okay. Uh, all right. So, so the last behavioralist you guys left with, uh, did, did that behavioralist work with him at all? Or she just, they did a little little bit. Like she came over to the house twice, um, would, do the, let me come in the door. Let me see how long it takes for him to get used to me. And then we met her and the 
initial positive reinforcement dog trainer at her house of like it's a different yard you've seen these people before mm -hmm. can we get them uh to be more comfortable in a shorter period of time which he would then we the three of us took him to another lady's house to say hey well maybe he could play with her dog who's very neutral so they're both on the leash they ended up not playing because the behavior lady was like, I don't like how he's acting. Let's take them on a walk together. So we took them on a walk together. And mm -hmm. I was kind of in the, and she's like, well, he didn't seem comfortable walking with me. And I'm like, well, he doesn't really know you. But I mean, he wasn't reacting to like the mail truck driving by or other things. Mm -hmm. And so he's gotten better at new situations and things like seeing a garbage can. He's not as scared of it or seeing a new box in our house. He'll go up and investigate it. He might bark once, but then he'll stop. Um, yeah. What were you using when you were walking with the behavioralist that time? Uh, so we were using a harness because that's what they told us in puppy class, like the harness and all that. Well, using a harness, I'd gotten at least one redirect bite on me. Mm -hmm. uh, and the harness just, that didn't seem to get his attention at all. It was one of the harnesses that you clip in the front. Yeah. And okay. yeah. All right. I've heard enough. <laughs> uh, I, I just kind of, I, I try to, I try to, you know, figure out what you guys have done so far to, to kind of know what's, what's, what's the dog thinking? Where's the dog at? So, you know, is he fixed? He's not fixed yet. Okay. That, that definitely plays a role and, but not a huge, not a huge role. It, it, the reality is, is you guys are lacking balance. What you really, really need is you need, you need some sort of balance here where, it, and, and I'm, you know, and I always tell, tell, tell people this, like when I'm working with the dog, I'm using 99% positive training, like positive reinforcement training, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm <clears throat> rewarding the dog, uh, no, no pressure on the dog. I'm giving the dog space physically, um, verbal, you know, verbally with, with food and balls and toys. I'm trying to do all those things. And then, of course, I have balance on the other side where if a dog makes a mistake, then of course I, it's my responsibility to let them know that that's wrong, and and I and I don't have to go too far down the rabbit hole to explain to you why the things aren't working for you guys. It's very clear um, that what you're doing isn't working, even after the third person coming in. Um, you could have, and I know this doesn't help now, but you know save a lot of time and money just by working with a balanced dog trainer that corrected this puppy at four months and just said, hey man, quit the crap. This isn't happening. Um, now you're dealing with pent-up frustration. So it's almost like a dog continues to build and build and build. So it's an intact eight-month – I mean, you're dealing with like a teenager at its finest right now. You're dealing with a, a senior yeah. in high school running around, uh, you know, trying to push back on everything. And up until this point, you guys haven't had the ability and the communication to tell him that what he's doing is wrong and reinforce it. So there's a, you know, there's a big difference if you, if, what's his name, by the way? Oh, it's Fletcher. <laughs> I love that. Fletcher. <laughs> oh, Fletcher. <clears throat> that's funny. Yeah. So, it, so that's kind of like what you're dealing with is with Fletcher. He's, he's not, he's not getting that, that control that he needs in order to, to, to maintain stability. So when he goes out and makes a decision and you don't like it and it's not okay and he shouldn't be doing it, you haven't been able to discourage that behavior. You've only been able to pull him away. So when you're pulling him away with the harness, so say he goes towards the fence 
and Fletcher's barking at the other dog at the fence, which is becoming a huge problem because you got bit recently. And obviously the neighbors are probably like, okay, this is not good. There's a German shepherd coming through my fence. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so basically what you're doing right now with, with, even if you have equipment on him, such as the harness, you're pulling him away. So his head controls momentum. His head controls the conversation. Like if I were to turn my back right now and talk to the wall, you guys might be able to hear me, but you know that I'm, we're not, I'm not talking to you necessarily, right? You know what I mean? Like we're not, we're not having a conversation. <clears throat> so anyway, it's kind of what happens with the harness is you're pulling him back on the harness and he's still talking. It's kind of like dragging a drunk guy out of the bar. He's still going. Like you're not fixing anything. He's still upset outside. You're not like, you're not sitting down, smacking him upside the head and said, hey, what are you doing? You think that this is appropriate? You're like, this is not okay. You need to calm down because of these reasons. Well, and here's what you're going to do. Oh, right. Just really, you know, figuratively speaking, that's, that's kind of like what happens when you're using a harness with a frustrated dog is you're just dragging them away and actually building more frustration. Mm -hmm. Right. So I know you're not using the harness outside as much or at all because you're going up and you're grabbing his collar and that's where he's getting frustrated. So he feels, so there's no doubt about it. It's a, it's a perfect storm of frustration like an eight-month-old intact, somewhat working line German Shepherd, um, you know, being reactive. And so without, and, and I would agree that at the ages that you were working with the dog, especially at that four-month mark to where he's at now, four months later at eight months, it's a critical time to be developing your relationship with the dog, um, the foundation, you know, the principles, all that stuff. But the problem is, is you guys haven't been able to effectively show him what he can and can't do, right? So that's what you're dealing with the most. So I know that you said that the prong collar you guys started, I'm assuming after watching my videos, because yep. all the all the German shepherds that I work with, you know, a lot of them do either A, come in with prong collars, or B, they get a prong collar. And the reason why that is, is I primarily work with dogs like Fletcher or dogs that are very similar to Fletcher on a behavioral scale. So they're getting equipment mainly because their owners are already coming in with like, we're spiraling out of control. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's the way it is. We're, yeah. we're like, we have to work with a trainer or someone that can help us figure out his code and how to communicate with him. Or he needs to go to an experience handler that gives him a job or he's not staying with us. Like, so, and that's why we're just like at this point, but we know like deep down, he can be a really good dog. Yeah. We just figure out like the proper code of yeah. what yeah. is, like what we need to be doing with him. Yeah, cause I would like almost, cause like I said, since we watched your videos, like I would actually attribute like his type of personality to those um, those two individuals. I, I think the lady was from Michigan that had the German Shepherd. Cheese, it's like Cheese and then Dante and was the watched. other one. That's, uh, when I was watching that, I was just watching it with clear eyes because I was like, you know, I didn't want to sugarcoat Fletcher. I'm like, wow, that's, if Fletcher was in your facility in that door that way and you came up to him, he would act the exact same way where he would like try and jump and lunge at you. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, no, I, I get it, and that and that's why it's that's why I create that content is because you guys are that's why I create any content to be honest with you is you guys are sitting there going 
you're working with a positive only trainer, which I don't want to take anything away from, from some, because I've met some really good positive only trainers that, you know, are, are great and could do circles around me with obedience, but I don't do obedience anyway, really. I don't, that's not what fixes a lot of behavioral problems. It, it, it's a huge part of it. Um, but I just wish that your trainer in the beginning would have said, this is developing into something I can't handle immediately instead of trying to throw treats on the ground to discourage the behaviors, you know? All right, you guys, really quick, I want to interrupt this podcast just to say, if you haven't signed up for the No Bad Dog Members Club, it is a subscription-based, it's $19.99 a month, and all it is, guys, is un- all the unreleased footage that we're recording for YouTube. We'll record sometimes three or four times a week and put one video out that's 20 minutes. Not only are you getting that full video and the full process of how we actually worked with that dog from soup to nuts uh, for the hour session, sometimes more, but you're also getting all of the other sessions. So literally every single thing that we're filming behind the scenes and so on and so forth is getting uploaded there at least once a week. It's like I said, it's $19.99 a month. Uh, It's not a lot, but you can join the community, hang out with us. Link is in the description below. Hope to see you there. Yeah. I stretched it out to where, you know, it's just so critical, but then we wasted time and he's not the kind of dog that would benefit from that type of training. There's many dogs that will, but he's just a bull in a China shop. Teenager example. Yes. Like sometimes when you tell him, you know, like go like that and just be basically giving me the middle finger. Like I'm it. That's right. That's right. And that's what you got. So anyway, so, so besides all of that, yeah. So like Dante, good example, like Dante, that German shepherd, that's a recent upload on my YouTube channel that I did. Um, I think last week, that's a dog that came in very similar to what you guys are dealing with. And he came in and he's like, you know, and his parents are sitting there just holding the lead. They're just holding on. They're just like, they don't know what to do. And it's not any, I mean, it is their fault, but of course it's, it's, it's ignorance because they didn't know what to do, which is why they're with me. Right. So they're just sitting there holding on and he's barking at me and he's hitting the fence and he's trying to come after me and his muzzle's shaking and he's just showing his teeth. And then I just, they had a prong collar, but it was on wrong. So it, it wasn't fit properly. It wasn't the right size. And so I just put a regular Herm Springer on and then I corrected him. And then he, if you watch that video, he, he had that, he had that moment. He was like, yeah. oh shit, for real? I'm like, yeah, dude, what are you, what are you doing? And then he kind of took a deep breath. And so the thing, the reality is, is dogs that are like that sometimes need a handler that can control the dog because they, they almost like self mutilate themselves mentally mm-hmm. because I can handle that dog. I can get that dog. You know, after, after working with that dog, I was like, okay, now we can, now I've kind of opened up Pandora's box to start working with this dog. We kind of have an even playing field. The dog wasn't trained but the dog wasn't reacting to people coming in. The dog wasn't reacting to me on the leash. The dog wasn't bouncing in front of me. But, you know, when they go home, that dog will probably continue to be 50% as reactive as he was because the owners just can't get on top of it. Yeah. You know, and that's the frustrating part with my career is I'm not really a dog trainer. I'm, an, I'm a teacher. I'm, I, have, I have information that helps dogs because I've been doing it for as long as I have. And I have a better skill set of explaining to dog owners how to fix the problem or how to work with it. Right. So my point is, is there's just certain dogs who need a certain handler. I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't sound to me that you guys have are at that point. It just sounds to me that you haven't done anything about it properly 
which makes total sense why it's not working. So it's kind of an advantage to you because you're, you're just starting to scratch the surface of what you should be doing with Fletcher. So let's break it down. I think um, first and foremost, and we can talk about this later, or you can email me a picture, whatever's easiest for you guys, but making sure you have the right fit prong collar, <clears throat> making sure that that is where you need it to be nice and snug. It's very simple. It, it, it shouldn't be big enough where you can pull it over the dog's head. It's got to be nice and snug right behind the dog's ears. The other thing is, is there's, there's an intervention stage that I have with dogs, all right? And this intervention stage is is kind of pull. It's been polarizing sometimes in the in the dog training community, which I try to pull myself out of as much as humanly possible. But it's kind of polarizing where I I certainly will use aversives and I will use some sort of compulsion to shut a dog behavioral down. Like Dante, mm -hmm. there was no context of what he was doing was necessarily wrong. I didn't have a relationship with him, but that's a dog that's literally trying to kill me for no reason and the owners are just holding on mm -hmm. so then what I did is I, I literally corrected him mm -hmm. for that behavior without any context of the dog knowing what they were doing is wrong does that make sense yeah okay so that gave me a, that then gave me an opportunity to move forward so he's coming in, he's screaming, he's yelling, he's rah, 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 I gotta get to you, I gotta get to you. You're, you're enemy number one, right? And I just said, hey, stop it, man. Bang, corrected him. So that was like my intervention. Like, there was no context. I didn't really care that he knew what he was doing is wrong because I had to basically shut him down so he can think. There's some dogs you don't wanna do that to, right? Like a more, like a super, super, super insecure, fearful dog, but, Nonetheless, I guess my point is, is when you're, when you're doing all of this, you have to make sure that the dog knows what you want him to do clearly in most circumstances, unless it's an intervention. I call it like an intervention correction where it's going to be outside of my normal, you know, rules, if you will. Same thing with the remote collar. If I have a dog that's somebody like... For an example, you guys come in with this dog and you're like, hey, we've been working with two behavioralists, one trainer. We're at the end of our rope. We really don't know what to do. We want to start over. He's a sweet dog. He's only eight months old, blah, blah, blah. And he's trying to come after me like I am murdering somebody that he loves. And it's like, holy crap, dude. I'm going to correct him so I can meet him where he's at and refresh. So I'm, it's, it, to me, it's not even necessarily a correction. Technically, it is, but it's more of a disruptor. He's doing this and he's kicking and screaming and I'm just coming over and I'm correcting him and I'm like, stop. And then they, they take it like Dante. It was a beautiful, we caught that on film and it was beautiful. He just took a deep breath and he goes, oh. So my point is, is you guys have to start teaching him different behaviors to get him to do the things that you want him to do alternatively, which would be a heel, which would be, yep. a, which would be a leave it, which would be a recall. The recall would get, I just had a conversation with the dog owner yesterday about this. The recall would get him off the fence, right? If you, if you had the ability to reinforce your recall sustainably and effectively, you would get away from that reactivity at the fence, right? The other thing is, is the heel command. So just like you were saying, when you're out on the walk, you're kind of doing these directional changes and this calibration that you see on my videos, which is a great opportunity for you to to kind of redirect his attention. So you want to find his motivator. So whatever he loves, whether it's food or a ball or a tug, 
And if, and if he doesn't love those things, you still have to kind of push him through. You know, he's still got to eat, if you will. It's like a kid, yep. sit, kid hasn't eaten breakfast, lunch, and dinner in three days. I don't want this. I don't want that. I don't want this. You got to eat. Just take it. <laughs> you know, it's like, so, so my point is, is you got, you, you, if, if, if he's not taking any type of motive, you can just reward him by like, hey, good heel. That's it. It's all you got. It's okay. So when you're out with him, one question I always ask dog owners is if he's reactive on the leash and he's pulling on the leash and he's kind of all over the place, you have to have a really good heel and you have to have a really good break and you have to have the, the, um, the ability to, to diversify those two behaviors. So mm -hmm. he's got to know when you say heel, he's on your left side walking at your heels loose leash. That's the yep. name of the game. And that's what we do when we're walking with a heel. Like he, we taught him now that he realistic. I mean, I, I keep it loose in my hand and he's by my left side on my thigh the whole time. And what I try not to cut you off, but like I, we were doing the, the food motivation, like when he would heal or when we would tell him to sit beforehand or just walk in and then stop. And now give, we would give him food. But then like once, you know, I saw this, how he bit my wife the other day, I was like, okay, when I take him for a walk this time, I'm not going to give him any treats because I want to see, make sure all the training that we've been doing has actually been ingrained in his head. And to me, what I've been seeing the last couple of days is that it has because, I mean, like, before we go through the door, you know, he knows to sit. He knows to wait until I tell him to come through the door and then sit down and then, you know, he'll look at me outside and then I'll tell him, you know, I'll tell him, let's go. And then, you know, I'll do the redirection. We'll do the heel. And I don't even have to say any commands. I, I can just stop now. And he'll just, he knows to sit literally right next to me and look at me which is awesome. And then I'm like, okay, cool. Thanks, bud. I was like, all right, let's go. And then we'll do some more redirection. Cause I just want to make sure that he wasn't just completely food driven. I want to make sure that these tools that we're using is actually working in his head. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly, you know, what, that's what you want to be doing and you don't, and you don't have to bring out food and, and you don't see it's, a, it's the same thing is you don't have to use food because your dog should just know the behavior and you yeah. shouldn't, you shouldn't have to use tools if your dog understands the behavior as well. But there's certain circumstances that you can't control where yeah. you see like another off leash dog running around and then, well, you've never trained for that and that's going to be hard. So you need to be able yeah. to to control for that. So that's a lot of what, <clears throat> excuse me, that's a lot of what you should be doing is making sure that you have the fundamental behaviors to teach him to do something other than the reaction. So don't go out just into that fix it mode and say, I'm going to correct you and I'm going to punish you for every time you do this. So again, like when I have a dog in, if, if I go into an intervention stage to kind of start a clean slate, it's different. But when I have a dog in that's you know, a little bit reactive or is going a little bit crazy on the leash, but not anything that's dangerous. What I'll do is I'll start my, if you can't hear it, I have my landscaper outside, yeah, okay. right outside my window. <laughs> anyway, yeah. um, sorry about that. So when I, when I go out, like one of the first things I do in almost all my videos, as long as it's safe for me, and if it's not safe for me, I just have the dog owners do it. Dante, that's what I did. I said, okay, I, I don't feel safe with this dog, but I don't, I shouldn't say that. I don't want to leave the muzzle on this dog and I don't want to handle him without the muzzle just yet because I don't want him to make a mistake because it'll ruin our relationship. I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not like 
people always think like, oh, like take the muzzle off. I'm like, you got to realize that if you take the muzzle off the dog, same thing with you guys, you guys can muzzle condition too. If you're worried about the redirection is once a dog bites you, your relationship changes and it's, it's hard for you to kind of stay on that playing field. So anyway, when you go out with him, those are the types of things that you should be doing at a very micro level. And it sounds like you already have, um, but it's going to be hard once you start getting into a bigger distraction. So I guess my point is, is it sounds like you have done quite a bit of threshold building, structure, um, directional changes and stuff like that. But make sure that you're utilizing those, re those, those directional changes in the healing and stuff. That's important. So when you're going out with him and you, tr you turn and you say Fletcher heal, like a lot of that is handling, um, it's, a, it's a lot of handling timing and things like that, making sure that when you turn, like the video I just did with my board and trains at my new facility is a great example of that, where I'm, I'm going out and I'm showing people how to give a little bit of hang time. Some people, when they turn, they immediately nail their dog regardless of what the dog's doing. You're gonna get a frustrated dog. You're gonna start saying, they're gonna start saying like, damned if you do, damned if you don't, this isn't cool. And then they're just gonna react regardless. So just making sure when you go out, flat your heel and you turn, at, at, on your heels to go the other way at like a 180 degree you're giving him that hang time to kind of commit to you so then you can reward him yes good heel buddy good good and you could you can verbally pay him just like i just did that's all he's gonna need and you turn again and then maybe you turn the other direction and that's just that's just basic leash engagement so keeping him engaged on you pay attention to me pay attention to me so it's a lot of like if you bring your kids to disney world there's a lot going on around you mickey mouse and goofy and cotton candy and all this fun stuff but you're they have to be engaged with you pay attention to me this is where we're going you know things like that it's basic engagement just to make sure that they don't make a mistake and just to make sure that they're safe and so when you're doing your basic engagement with him outside you got to make sure you have your break as well do you have a break mm, no that's not we aren't really like a break command to where it's like oh you're you're free and released from your command right yeah you don't have that no. Okay. So that's something, that's something that you have to have because right now you guys are saying, Hey, clock in, but you're not okay. clocking them out. Yeah. Okay. That'll build more frustration. Yeah. Especially okay. as an eight month old shepherd. Cause you're saying work, work, dude, work or else you gotta okay. work, but he, you're not, you're not saying, Hey man, good job. Free break. Okay. So, and then this break command is just kind of like after he, you know, was sitting, healing, doing whatever, it's just kind of like here, just be a dog. Exactly. Exactly. So, so think about it. Like, um, again, it's, it's like any type of psychology with kids too. It's like every, every single school, well, school's going to shit these days, but every single school back in the day had a recess, right? You got to give them a break. They can't yeah. just do that all day. They're kids. You know, you yeah. got, you got an eight month old shepherd. He's not going to be able to heal. So if you're not, if you're not working, you're breaking. And if you're not on a break, you're working, <laughs> right? So if you go out and you tell him, Hey buddy, this is what I want you to do. I want you to heal. And he's healing and he, and he's, he can and will probably get punished if he doesn't heal. You have to be able to disengage him somehow with a verbal cue. Cause okay. so basically you're saying Fletcher heal. He's doing great. You stop, you put him into a sit and then you kind of just you, in your head, you go, that was great, man. Go over there and pee and poop, but you don't say anything. So then he can't distinguish clearly and capture a behavior well because you're not telling him okay break 
Okay. Okay. So he might still think, well, do I heal? Do I Mm -hmm. not heal? So then he doesn't, yeah, so he doesn't know. You got to clock in, clock out. So he doesn't then know he's, he might not learn as well, right? So like, if, if he's, yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, because okay. that, that yeah, that makes sense. That, that makes sense on like why we're teaching these him these commands, and then like sometimes he doesn't he, listen. Yeah, he doesn't listen, or he's like looking at us like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. or he offers up other behaviors. He's like, I don't know what, what you want. Right, yeah. and that and that will lend to frustration. Yeah, because he doesn't know. So that's what I'm saying is, a lot of, if I were to give it a percentile, I think forty percent of this problem is him not understanding what he can and can't do and and getting frustrated because you're not having clarity and you're not compartmentalizing this is what I want you to do okay now be a dog because he has to be a dog he's a puppy still really and so so you have to be able to say okay Fletcher heal which is hey buddy work you go out you work with them right and there's okay break and and the difference between work and play will be predicated off of your obedience how good you are at obedience so if you're healing a dog in the beginning, it's going to be for five steps. Fletcher heel, one, two, three, four, five, break. Yes, good job, buddy. You throw a ball, you break him out. Okay. Now, two weeks later, a heel might be for a whole block and then break. But you can't, you can't go out and just assume that when he's in gear, he can't get out of gear. It's, it's unrealistic. It's unfair. It's like anybody else that's learning something new. Like, hey, man, you just learned how to run yesterday. Let's go for a marathon. What? That's not mm-hmm. fair. I'll fail for sure. So you're like, hey, you know, you just ran a mile today. Tomorrow, let's try for a mile and a half. See what happens. And you're like, okay, that kind of sucked. Let's try a little bit over a mile, not a mile and a half. So my point is, is you incrementally build that out, but you have to have clarity. And I would pull back the reins and work on that at the house before you go out and try to work on it outside, like anything okay. else. So all you would do is take whatever he likes. So when your voice inflection has a lot to do with this as well. So when you're going out, you're neutral. Fletcher heel. It's not Fletcher heel or Fletcher heel, right? <laughs> it's that's a cartoon character. It's like Fletcher heel. So it's very neutral. I'm asking you. It's like, hey, can you pass me the pen? Fletcher heel. You go out. Okay, you 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 heal nicely. You did a couple directional changes. He's engaged. Good job, Fletcher. You can you don't have to sit. I'm just giving you an example. Fletcher sit. Good sit. Fletcher break, and then free. Like you know, that's that. And what I usually do is I kind of tap the dog on the side and I say, hey, you're done. You're done. And then he can be a dog. And that break is, again, predicated off of you. So as he's going out and he's breaking and he's smelling and he's doing whatever, the only thing I don't allow on breaks are like things that we are fine. Again, just like with kids. Go on recess, but you can't take a rock and chuck it at Timmy's head. I mean, it's recess. You still can't do that. So when he's on his break, I mean, there's things still like he's not to react and be a jerk but he can be a dog and he doesn't have to be in heel and i kind of just follow the dog around and give them their break it's almost a reward in the sense it's a reward for my dog like when i say break on a walk they'll literally just run away (laughs) see you later go do what you want you know so anyway um yeah break like okay so obviously like you said we'll work on that inside before we take it outside but then like say when we start taking it outside because you know, we, we have one of those dual leashes where, you know, the shorter end is on the prong and then the longer end's on his collar just in case, right? And and I keep the lead the lead close to me and short. So when we go into a break, should I make the lead longer to give him more, you know, normal time to, you know, sniff around, do all that stuff? Or 
Yeah, you could. I mean, you could do whatever, but my suggestion is to just get a safety clip and a four-foot leash. That's yeah. it. It's all the setup you need. Um, and then the safety clip will allow you to make sure that the safety clip attaches to your leash and then your flat collar, and then the leash goes on your prong. I have those on my website. Yeah, that's kind of like it's what we like have. The, um, it's a... The Lieberg or something Leerberg. like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a leather one. And yep. It has like cool, yeah, perfect. Uh, that's it. Yep. Good. Yeah. So, so basically you would, yeah, yeah. So, so all you would do is go out when, when you're healing with him, you don't have to give him more leash. You can just, you could kind of just follow him around, you know? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so you just say break. So, so yep. in the beginning, he's not going to know what it is. He's going to be like, what the hell's that? So what yep. I like to do is take a ball or take a treat or whatever. And I just kind of throw it. I say break. And I just start conditioning the dog. When I say break, you can move like you, you go okay. into motion. And then I follow you around. And then what I'll do is I'll continue to mark it. I'm like, good break, buddy. Good break. Like, yeah, you're doing good. I'm like, I'm just letting him know, hey, I'm letting you do this. I'm letting you do this. I'm letting you do this. I'm just letting him out. So um, it, it's, it is a little bit confusing in the beginning because it doesn't, like I said, dogs don't, people are like, this is not going to make, it's not going to make sense in the beginning. But as you condition, like you, you grab your leash, we're going for a walk. You grab your leash, we're going for a walk. You grab your leash, we're going for a walk. That's conditioning. So if you say break, 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 and you do that for a couple of weeks, your dog's going to realize that break means disengage. Do what you want. That means it's my time. So okay. I suggest just, again, getting like a ball or a treat or something and just throwing it in front of him and just just disengaging. Break. Just letting him go. Okay. But But what that does is it sets you up for success because, again, if I wanted to go run a half a, mi a mile and a half – I'm not going to be able to do that over time if I'm new to it. So like with him, if he's out and you're trying to – basically what you're trying to do right now is you're, if you go out with him for 20 minutes and you don't have a break command but you're asking him to heal, technically he's in a heal for 20 minutes, which, is, which I wouldn't do with any dog. Okay. So then you're getting frustration of when am I working <clears> – because <throat> what a lot of people do is – here's what a lot of people do, which is, again, creates tons of frustration – is they put a dog on to a, a heel, and then mentally, you're, you're already breaking the dog. You're like, man, that was great. Do what you want. But you're not, you're not letting the dog know. On my terms, you can now break and do what you want. So then what happens is the dog kind of starts going in front of them. Mm -hmm. And then the owners don't care because they're like, yeah, no, you've done good enough. But then the dog's like, okay, now you don't care? I, I, <laughs> back there, I got punished for walking past your, your knee, but now I don't? Okay, this is weird. And then what happens is, is the dog starts pulling a little bit, and then we go bang, 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 bang. And we heal the dog back. And they're like looking at us like, well, what? Well, I don't understand. 10 minutes ago, that was okay. And now it's not okay. And so that's where you're going to get frustration. And then what, so more importantly, what you get is you get a checked out dog. They won't listen to you. They won't engage with you. They don't respect you. They don't look at you for direction because you make no sense because you're mm -hmm. inconsistent and you're, you don't have clarity, which then can create, again, uh, that's where like Dante, perfect example. Yep. That dog is mainly reactive because he doesn't have clarity. So he's just, my parents don't know what to do. And this is with a lot of my clients. My parents don't know what to do. So I'm going to scare the crap out of anybody around us to get them away from us. That, that's very accurate. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. he's thinking like, these guys don't know what they're doing. I got yeah. I to. I have in charge and take care of it. That's right. And as an intact eight, eight month old dog with some working lines, you know, in him, it's like the sky's blue for me. This makes total sense. So, but, but the other thing, the other big thing 
obviously that that's that you guys were missing from the from the get go was accountability and the ability to make sure that you're you're actually following through with the dog. So some sort of consequence with the dog. So when you say heal, that's what I'm saying is he's got to know heal before you can correct him for heal unless you're in an intervention stage, right? So like if a dog doesn't know leave it, but they're trying to kill a kid or they're trying to kill a cat or they're, they're just doing something that you they can never do, you're going to correct them. That, that, that's, not, that's not unfair. That is fair, right? So anyway, when you're, when you're out with him, he's got to know heal and he's got to know break. That way, when you, when you punish him for non-compliance of heal, it makes more sense. But what you haven't done is you haven't, up until recently, he's gotten away with so much because he hasn't been held accountable. Like I talk to people all the time and my dog is doing this. I've paid this amount of money. I'm now on the phone with you. My dog is doing this. What have you, and I say, what have you done about it? How are you punishing? How are you letting him know that that's not okay? And yeah. usually it's, I tell him no, I shake my finger at him, all that stuff. And of course, it's, it's just clockwork for me because I, I know the answer. I just, I have to ask so I can make sense of why it's a problem. So, well, that, I said, how is that working for you? Like, how is, you know, that understanding? So there's, there's, a little, there's a little bit more to it. Like, the dog has to know what you want him to do, but at the same time, even if he knew heal competitively and you weren't reinforcing, hey, you have to heal if you're not, the dog will start sliding out of control. And that's what's happened to you guys is in the beginning, you were only teaching him how to do things. You weren't able to not to discourage things. You weren't able to teach him what he can't do. You only showed him, here's a cookie, good job. Here's a cookie, good job. Here's a cookie, good job. And if they didn't do something, maybe they jumped on somebody, you were screwed. Because the, the teacher that you worked with at the time doesn't believe in punishment ever. Mm-hmm. They don't believe in, they don't believe in punishment. They, 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 they would rather see your dog at eight months spiral out of control and be a medicated puddle on the ground than correct a dog. Yeah. So you yeah. tell me like what's more inhumane when, when the reality is one of the most natural things for dogs. Like if your dog was sharking around another like big intact male, like that, there's going to be a fight and that mm-hmm. other dog is going to teach your dog. Like, no, you're getting corrected and you're not going to mm-hmm. like it but you're not going to do that crap again, right? We get a dog that mounts another dog in daycare, maybe a newer dog that's like, hey, you know, and they're trying, and then, and then the dog turns around, grabs that dog by the neck, pins it to the ground, makes it squeal, the other dog runs away and doesn't do it again. That's a correction. It's the most natural thing in the dog world, period. That's why the prong collar works so nice is because you're not going to get on your hands and knees and go grab Fletcher by the neck and try to correct him. You're going to use a prong collar to communicate. It's easy peasy. So that's... That's the other part of the big part of what's happening with you guys is you've had no accountability. So you've been basically when, when he does something wrong, you've been just biting your tongue to say like, this is yeah. wrong, but I don't, I can't do anything about it. He just ignores it. Right. Cause it does. So your, your voice doesn't have any accountability. So think about it. Like, so that's what builds confidence in dogs. That's what builds accountability. That's what builds respect. That's what builds, um, I don't know so much. Like if, if I, you know, like if I, if I told you, Hey guys, I'm going to be over at your house at eight and I showed up at eight 30, eight 30, eight 45, like every Monday I'm like, I'm going to be over at eight, but I showed up late. Like you can't, you, 
I'm not going to, you're not going to trust me to be there right, right at that eight. You know, it's just like, you, you never like do that. And it's the same thing with dogs. If you're like, Hey, stop what you're doing. They're like, what's that? Cause it's not being, there's nothing, there's nothing reinforcing your voice. Mm-hmm. So it's like, Hey, go to your room. No, go to your room. No. And then you walk away. The kid learns, well, I don't have to do that then. All I got to do is just say no. Right. But if there's accountability where you're like, you go over and you grab their hand and you bring them to the room or you say, okay, no more iPhone or no more friends or no more football or no more whatever. They're like, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Okay, okay, okay. Like you got to have that accountability. And with humans and with kids and with us, like the same thing with coworkers. Like, hey, if you don't show up at eight o'clock, you're going to have to let you go. I need somebody to be here. I need to hold. There's got to be that accountability. There's got to be that fear. And I think, you know, in your case where you work with a a positive only trainer, they, they believe the exact opposite where there should be no fear. There should be no stress. There should be no consequences. There should be no no's, which if we lived in that world, it would be, it would be utter chaos. Yeah. Unrealistic. It's very unrealistic and it gives you false hopes where you're a professional dog trainer and somebody like you guys goes to them and they say, all you got to do is ignore bad behavior and, and reward behavior good when it happens. It's like, yeah. it's crazy. It's, 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 it's borderline inhumane in my opinion, but that's why she threw up her hands and said, I can't deal with this. Go with somebody who's going to medicate your dog. Now, if she okay. would have just said, Hey, here's a guy down the road that can effectively humanely correct your dog for the BS that he's doing, because this is out of my comfort zone that that would have made way more sense we wouldn't have been on the phone i don't think but i think that there's got to be so anyway so I, I that's what you're that's the other big piece that you're missing is throughout the years you're like he's been doing all this bad stuff he's been doing all this bad stuff he's been doing all this bad stuff but up until recently you started correcting him and holding him accountable so all of this is new for him he's gotten mm-hmm. away with so much for so long and of course you haven't wanted him to cuz that's the confusion sometimes in these conversations is I'm not saying you let him. I'm just saying you let him. <laughs> you didn't right. really, you didn't really mean to spiral this, but you also didn't hold him accountable for things and weren't assertive enough when he did things that he shouldn't have been doing. So, mm-hmm. you know, going like in that class, like if a dog were to go over and jump on another person's leg and like, you know, bite at their shirt and pull their pull their shirt down and, and get them all muddy. And I were to go over and just grab the puppy and pull him down by, you know, by his fur of his neck, like that wouldn't be okay for your other trainer. That's inappropriate. You can't do that to dogs. You just let them figure it out. Right. Dogs are not, that's not how they learn. I mean, if you actually knew about canine behavior and you watched how they interacted with each other, both coyotes, wolves, dogs, feral dogs, domesticated dogs, working dogs, pets, that's how they learn. Like let them figure it, each other it out. So anyway, so that's that's the big thing I think you guys is you have to take all of the things that you've been kind of struggling with and using the prong collar to start reinforcing these things. And then I think right now it's your training that you've been doing especially for the 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 fence stuff. The training that you've been doing with the fence stuff isn't adding up to your expectations. So you're going to so my point is is you need to work up your obedience really good enough to a point where you can start doing some like remote collar training where you can start because the reality is, is holding the dog accountable, making sure the dog understands that when you say come and you, they know come, they're going mm-hmm. like this, na 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 boo boo, what are you going to do about it if I don't come? Because it becomes a currency game. You guys have already been seeing that. It's the same exact thing with kids. If yes. he's on the fence barking at the other dog and you say Fletcher come, 
he's picking that hundred dollar bill over what you have to offer, which is either nothing or very low currency of, well, if I come to mom, then they're going to pet my head. Mm-hmm. I'd rather yeah. go after this dog because this is more fun. This is addicting. This is a job. Yeah, correct. So, yeah. so that's where you have to interject. And, and the e-collar is the only thing in the world that you can use on a, on a dog that gives you the ability to hold them accountable completely off leash. It's the only thing in the world that you can use. But you can't just dive into it just using it that way. You have to introduce. I have a ton of videos on that and stuff. But those yeah. are the those are the types of things that you like. My point is, is you're not going to be able to do the type of training that you're doing right now successfully with that off leash work because they're two separate things. Okay. So like get the foundation part in the controlled, yeah. and then start to take it out and be steps and like on the walk or other things, and then. Yeah, there's a there's a process to introduce the remote collar, and okay. you're not you don't want to slap it on and just say like oh I'm gonna correct my dog off leash. You want to yeah. teach the dog what it is. You want to work on all of it. I have so many videos on it. I would just recommend just go to my playlist on YouTube and just search type in like e collar introduction or whatever. Um, and and you'll see like how to introduce it, and kind of the fundamentals and. Um, and you could probably, now that you know, you know, just, just kind of searching for balanced dog trainers in your area to help you introduce the e-collar will be really helpful. But, um, but again, like that, that's something I had a conversation yesterday and, and many times really is that's what people do is they, they like, my dog won't come off the fence no matter what I do. I'm like, yeah, because you're, you, you can't touch your dog. Like you're over there just saying like Fletcher's going a wall on the fence mm-hmm. to another dog as an intact male, like rah, 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 going crazy. Right. And you're over there going, Fletcher, please, oh. yeah. please go. <laughs> well, yelling at the top of our lungs, but that's just like. But that's what I mean. That's what I'm saying is the comparison. Exactly. Exactly. I know you're not actually whispering. I'm saying that's what he's hearing. <laughs> yeah. So you have to be able to. So again, like the foundation as like a, let's say like a two week, a two week process would be introduce the e-collar, introduce the e-collar. You'd go out, you know, you teach them what stimulation is. You teach them what stimulation is. You never correct them with it. You use low level stimulation, low level stimulation, low level stimulation. And then you start on the long line outside and then you just continue and, and that will really be helpful. So again, you're countering, you're countering some of the same thing with the healing outside with the reactivity. You're countering his reactivity with obedience. He's like, Hey, there's a dog heal. Aww. Mm-hmm. Got to heal, dude. Time to work. Let's go. Yeah, but no, 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 no. Yeah, but let's move it. Right. He doesn't get to make those decisions. He's, he's too much dog for that. Now, yeah. if you had a little insecure, poorly bred German shepherd, that's like, Hey, is that a dog? And they, and they're insecure and they're nervous and they're fearful. You might want to encourage him to like, like you said, like the behavioralist was saying is like, he needs to be socialized. He doesn't need to be socialized. He needs to be taught what's right and wrong. And my fear with him is if you do start socializing him as an intact male and as a pu- as pushy as he is, he's just going to get in a fight or he's going to yeah. hurt another dog. Because that's, yeah. what, that's what they would do. Like if he went in and he started being like, you know, I'm an intact eight-month-old uh, shepherd. Like my name's Fletcher. Right. And he's like, he's like all pushy and like, you know, trying to, you know, basically dominate the other dogs physically. And he's going over top of them. And then they're like, dude, get out of here. Boom. And there's a fight. Like that's so likely to happen because that's his, that's his personality. And because he's developing into this very pushy dog because of the lack of structure, like he's just going to get into a fight. So he doesn't like socialization is important for humans. I think, especially as a dog that, you know, with your dad, like, again, 
when your dad came over, like if you had some sort of a, if you, it's, it's kind of, I always tell people like the e-collar is like the big brother that's watching. Mm-hmm. So if you know that if a dog has been corrected off leash before, where they're like, oh, you can touch me from here, the whole world changes. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. then they, they don't think they can get away with stuff, you know, where they're like, I'm going to try to have a go at this. Because a lot of like this stuff that Fletcher may be doing is just like, he's just like, I'm going to have a go. I'm just going to, I'm bored, you know, whatever. I don't know exactly. But, but again, like you, you can't, you can't, you have to also like be safe with him. Like if he's being reactive and he's being aggressive and he's doing all these things, like you have to make sure that you are almost following him around with the leash until you fully commit to off leash control because he's going to make, if he makes a bad decision, it's ultimately your fault because you let that happen, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what I was going to like the only time that we have him off leash is we have him in the backyard and we'll have, you know, dual balls and frisbees, you know, just so that he can be a dog. Right. And, you know, we're throwing one, he's bringing it back, he's dropping it, you know. So, that, yeah, that was my question. Like, if we're doing that, then should we just keep on, like, I guess his 30-foot lead, you know, since you were saying about the... Um, so we could grab him. Yeah, I would I would keep him successful. Don't, don't give him any error for error <laughs> don't let yeah. it happen like it that's you got to play zookeeper you got to keep that pistol haltered you can't don't let them make mistakes like if you know somebody's coming over and you're like i don't really know how he's gonna do don't let him do anything you keep him on a leash you work on your obedience you work on your socialization like everyone thinks including maybe your behavioralist that you had before everyone thinks that dogs need to be in each other's faces and they need to sit in people's laps to be social like the dog being in the room with another person is social like that's being social you don't he doesn't have to go over and be best friends with them um so so what i would be doing is say your your dad comes over next week and you put fletcher in in on his prong collar and on his leash and hey dad how are you yeah we're just doing some training with fletcher and you and you kind of let him soak there for 20 minutes not really doing much um, then you say, okay, I'm going to, I'm just going to go put Fletcher in his crate in the other room. And then you go on about your day. So you kind of like let that happen. Um, and then in the future you can say, okay, now that we're off leash, we can start doing some muzzle stuff. Hey dad, don't look at him. Don't talk to him. Don't touch him. Don't, you know, there's so many different things and it, and it kind of is a different can of, can of beans. But, um, anyway, so yeah, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't give him any room for error. Um, because he, so it's, it's kind of like, if you taught him, because you don't have the off-leash accountability, essentially. If you've taught him what he can and can't do on the leash and you've held him accountable, I mean, dogs are opportunistic, especially the dog that you have at that age, right? He's going to see what he can get away with. He's going to see what he can get away with. He's going to see what he can get away with. So if you tell him what he can and can't do, you know, and you say heal or, or leave it or whatever, and he's being held accountable and, you know, he's like learning. And then all of a sudden he has a go and you have no equipment on. You can't hold him accountable. He'll say, ah, I can get away with this without this on. You don't want him to, to do that. You want to just make sure that he's successful. Um, and I think he's just gone. I mean, he's gone eight months without punishment. He's gone eight months with I'm going to do what I want when I want. And yeah, you're going to yell at me, but you're not going to actually do anything about it. Right. Okay. So now you guys are flipping the script and now you're saying, actually, 
there is consequences now, man. Like, you can't go after my dad. You can't rip through the neighbor's fence. You can't react to somebody walking their dog that wants to walk their dog around their neighborhood. Like, that is inappropriate. We are not going to do that because it, it's not only a selfish thing for you guys to say, I don't want you barking because it's annoying. You got to realize that he's working himself up so much that he's stressing himself up and his quality of life isn't good because he's going out for a walk and he's seeing Jim and Sandy walking their puppy that, that they just got and he's going, ah, nah, 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 and it's like, what are you doing? So it's not like a selfish thing for you guys to do, but it's also for his benefit to say, man, you can't do this. This is crazy. You're stressing yourself out. Like you don't need to do this and you, you have to be that guiding beacon to, to teach him what's okay and what's not. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And I was just gonna say we've started to muzzle train him. Yeah. To the point of where it's strapped on him, but sticking his face in it, you know what? Yeah. Yeah, the muzzle is great. I I would um continue to muzzle him and uh, condition it. You know, make it fun. Put peanut butter at the end. Let him lick it out. Like do that as often as you can, because it's just like that extra piece of security for you. Uh, if you have a dog that kind of gets addicted to the fight like he has and he's gotten away with it for so long just in general the muzzle's good just to have and i figure we're gonna have to do it like for when he goes to the vet and stuff right right yep and that's normal <laughs> at all okay um well as far as like next steps i think you've given us some really good stuff to work on um mm -hmm. so do people generally like do another consultation with you or do yeah it 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 depends on, it depends on you know the access that you have to, to dog trainers in your area because some people just don't have. I mean, there's just, there's just Karen down the road that wants to be a dog trainer because she got sick of being at home all day and does treats and positive only. Like, if you only have that in town, like yeah, you might want to consult with somebody like myself that can help you walk through other things. But if you can find a, a balanced dog trainer that utilizes equipment to help you know, sculpt some of these behavioral cases. That's what I would recommend is, is take what I've said, watch my e-collar videos, um, and work on the things that we talked about. And then, yeah, maybe find somebody that can help you hands on would be, would be great. Yes. From that standpoint, then, then we basically have to like, have to interview them. Yes. The coach is going to be, because I really don't want to go down the path of now going to like a fourth trainer and it's like, Oh, well, I don't really do this, but you know, we're, you know, it sounds like a German shepherd. He needs to be on this medication and right. good luck. Yeah. I mean, if you have an eight month old German shepherd on medication, the dog has, I mean, the only thing that I would find that to be appropriate is the dog being like having really bad mental retardation and, you know, but that's not your case. You're just not, you're not, you're not finding anybody that actually handles the problem. You're finding a bunch of people that are dancing around the problem that their agenda goes against actually correcting the problem. And they're just like, here's some medication because then the dog becomes a zombie and it makes things worse because then they're more vulnerable and your dog's sleeping all day and so on and so forth. It's a nightmare. So I would just, yeah, I don't think honestly, now that you guys know, and that's a, that's a problem with like the like dog owners, like you guys don't, you're not in the dog training industry and you don't see it and you don't re realize that the, this is, this is like a political battle that goes on. It's like a really big thing. So now that you guys know, all you have to do is go on their website and they will say, we believe in a, you know, a positive only approach and we don't believe in ever fear mongering or shutting dogs down into doing things. like you'll, you'll, you'll immediately see that agenda. Oh yeah. So like we don't use e-collars, prong collars and all that. So that yeah. would be it. 
Yeah, we don't use we don't use tools to train dogs. We just hope dogs shape up organically. Right. That's what right. people basically say. So because you know, like like I said before, as an end note is we use a ton of positive reinforcement. Positive reinforcement by definition in the in the four quadrants of of science of how dogs learn is positive reinforcement is to encourage behaviors to happen in the future. You cannot use positive reinforcement to get rid of a behavior. You can't. When you get a dog that's overpowering you and is taking over, you're just you're you're probably likely working with somebody as you did and as you found out that just can't handle this dog, which is okay. But you're not so you have to go out and 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 call somebody, email somebody and say, "Hey, I just want to know your techniques and some of your methods on working with a, a reactive German Shepherd because we've tried positive-only training and it, it, it doesn't work for us and it doesn't work for a lot of millions of other people. We need a different route. And, and they will be able to say, we utilize tools when necessary, of course, or they'll say, nope, we don't use tools. We believe in this. And you say, okay. And then that's where you, you move on or you accept. Okay. okay. All right, you guys. So the first question is, is from Pasco Pup. I come from a background of hound hunting, so I've been around shot collars my whole life, but never seen e-collar training like Tom does. Incredible. I've only used the collar as, hey, listen, with a beep equals a warning, a vibrate, better listen, and a shock equals correction. Is it possible to re- to retrain a dog on the e-collar? Good question, and uh, it's something that we, we often get, is if your dog is introduced to the remote collar strictly as an aversive or strictly as a punishment, uh, first of all, there's a lot of people who do it that way, which again, I don't think is wrong or right. I just don't choose to do it that way. I have a different way of doing it. I introduce it very uh, positive in the beginning and, and with lots of positive reinforcement to associate the dog with the stimulation before I correct them. And so um, what you would do is if the dog is capable and willing and able, all you would do is recondition through positive reinforcement. So you have to, first of all, you have to get a remote collar that goes low enough to condition. So if you're working with a collar that has zero through 10, chances are the lowest on a one is going to be like a 15 on my e-collar that I've done with Dogtra. So you got to make sure that you have a low enough level uh, e-collar to do uh, conditioning with it. The other thing is, is you're going to put it on for a week and not turn it on. And then you're going to go low. So on my unit, the Tom Davis 280C, it's going to be maybe starting off at a four and then asking basic behaviors with food. So go on my YouTube channel, see how I introduce it and basically just restructure it that way. And the main thing is just tons of positive reinforcement, um, for that. All right. So we got a lot of good reviews recently, so I appreciate all the love on the podcast. It helps this grow and kind of get the no bad dog movement message out there. The next question we have is Mosin. Um, I think that's how you say it. Our biggest question right now is when we're out and about, we often utilize heel command based on pure size and these two. And so she has two dogs. And so I've, I've actually already read this question. And so the question basically is, how do you work with two dogs at once on a heel? Should you put one in one hand or one in the other? Because I talk a lot about putting the dogs in one hand. What I would recommend is putting them separately on uh, making, well, first of all, make sure that you can heal the dogs without each other. Don't try to go out and heal them together and learn how to do that at once because it's going to be overwhelming. Um, your pressure and your timing may be off because you're too distracted by other things. So what I would suggest is, Train them and work with them way before separately to make sure that you're successful. And then the next thing you would do is kind of slide them into position in one side. 
if it's too much for you and the dogs are overwhelmed or even the dogs don't like walking that close to each other, you can put the other dog on the other side and that's totally fine. Um, but that's what I would do. I would take it slow and teach them individually really good first and then add them together and, uh, see if that, see if that helps with you. Um, so Adam asks, thank you, Adam, for the review. Tom Davis rocks five stars. Appreciate you, ma'am. Um, Tom, my question to you is how do you introduce a new puppy to a current dog that is aggressive or reactive? Uh, they, their current dog is two and a half and they're bringing home a new female German shepherd. First thing is Adam is, you're, you know, you're gonna have a lot of work down the road anyway, because you're, you're introducing a puppy to a dog that is historically aggressive or reactive. So there's that. The, um, there is certain ways to do it because if your dog is just reactive, you can certainly introduce the other dog slowly and, and help them uh, coexist with each other without a ton of conflict. Um, first things I would be doing is not making a big deal uh, when the puppy comes home. So I would just put the puppy, I would do lots of barriers. So I'd be doing baby gates and X pens and kind of letting them get used to each other slowly. So this would be like the equivalent to putting a fish in a new tank. You let them sit in there for like two hours uh, so they can get integrated into the water and then they can go and live in that water. Kind of the same thing with dogs, except you would probably do this for two weeks, keeping them separate. Um, I would limit the baby, oh, cutesy puppy stuff because it's going to probably piss your other dog off. So just making sure that you're leading with leadership, uh, training them together with two different people. So so start uh, inside very slow, keeping them separate, having them sniff, sniff each other through the crate. And then second to that, you would start working them structurally outside together. So you can take your puppy out, maybe do some luring with some food, start teaching some behaviors, introducing the leash pressure, all that stuff, um, and then working the other dog if you have another person as well. So kind of getting them to work together. Um, muzzle training your other dog wouldn't be a terrible idea once you start making the next steps to have them without the barriers. And once they're doing well, on the fence and on the gate with each other, uh, the muzzle would be keeping the puppy safe once you start kind of removing that uh, barrier. I'm going to get into one more. And then again, if you guys want to ask questions for me to answer next time, all you have to do is go and review the podcast and leave your question within your review. This is from me123456. This is a dog trainer that is, as a dog trainer, asking another for advice. How do you cope with training clients who either are not progressing? or uh, they're not progressing in their training. So this is, what do you do with clients who aren't listening, essentially? Well, what I do is I'm very clear up front about what, the, what dog training is and what we're gonna do as a teacher. It's our job is to teach them how to train their dog. Our job isn't necessarily to train their dog. So I think a lot of communication up front is huge. And we also have a contract that people sign when they sign up with us that we state that we are not responsible for their dog's progress in their training. We are not responsible for going home and working with their dog. They are solely responsible to make sure that they know what they need to do moving forward. And so our consultations uh, that my trainers do are very clear with that up front um, because that eliminates some of the problems that you may have in the future. And so Anyway, that would be my suggestion to you is to really be upfront and candid and honest in the beginning to let people know the expectations. And I just tell people if they're not progressing, I just, I, I test them too. So when they come in for the session, I say, okay, I want to see what you worked on since last time. If they don't progress and they haven't done leash pressure and sit and they're still back, I tell them straight up, hey, 
just so you know, we're going to do this session again, and we can't move past unless you go home and do your homework. Because the hour I spend with you throughout the week, and I don't see you again for another week or two weeks, is nothing compared to what they need to be doing at home by themselves. So I think honesty and holding them accountable is is huge. And uh, I hope that helps. And again, we'll talk to you guys next time, next week, or maybe later this week on the podcast. Thank you for listening. Bye. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.